Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Samantha Riley, author of the new book, The Heart of Entrepreneurship. Samantha made her first million dollars by her mid-twenties as a high school dropout selling dancewear through her retail stores where she literally eliminated her competition. Now, over the past 20 years, she's built several successful businesses and worked with over 100 experts, coaches, and consultants to help them live the life they envisioned when they first quit their day job. She's here today to tell us about what she learned in 18 years of retail, as well as researching buy buttons for the top 1% wealthiest in the world and helping so many business owners better position themselves for a greater chance of achieving their goals and dreams. Samantha, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing and how are things in the land down under? Ah, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Beautiful and sunny and warm here on the side of the earth. Nice. Total opposite up here in Canada. We had our first big dump of snow last night, and yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely the opposite. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful blue sky. It's nice and warm here. Ah, well, I'll have to come down and visit at some point in time. Um, and you're right by the beach, aren't you? Correct. Yeah, beautiful northern beaches of Sydney. It's, um, yeah, I think probably one of the most beautiful parts of the world. Done lots of traveling, and I just always come back here. I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was fortunate enough. I got to tour around Australia when I was a kid, um, but it's been, I'm overdue, so I don't know if this snow gets any worse, I might have to plan a trip. Come, come back, come back. <laughs> So thank you for your time and for joining us today. Um, obviously, just with the intro, it probably piqued some people's ears. So, I mean, for to have accomplished that at such a young age, and just to even have that ball rolling, I mean, a lot of kids, they're not even sure what career they want to do by the time they hit 20, let alone be in something that's gearing up to being a million dollar, right, income. So how did you even get started? Like, how did you, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Where did you get your business sense? And how did you even get into that dancewear industry? Yeah, okay. So it's, you know, as all of us have our story, it's, I did not come from an entrepreneurial background. My, um, my parents were blue collar workers and had some pretty outdated ideas of, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a job, you know, the usual. Um, I kind of knew that I was a little bit different when I was selling homemade, uh, like, sweets at school when I was eight years old, um, where all the other kids were giving them away. I was like, no, you can pay me for them. So, you know, that was my first business. <laughs> um, but I was very, very different to most people. I did, uh, I did leave school at 16. I did it in the middle of a class. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't planned. I just was in the middle of a class and I was sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is just mm -mm, BS. And I just got up in the middle of a class and walked out and uh, had a a job by the next day, just so that I knew that my parents wouldn't force me to go back to school. I thought, better better organise myself a job. So I did that. Um, I was married and had my first child by 17. So I grew up very, very quickly. I wasn't like most other kids my age and um, did the corporate thing for a couple of years and really, really 
didn't like it. Again, it was that I couldn't think in the box. I didn't, you know, I'd say, oh, why are we doing that? And the answer was, well, because that's what it is. And I was like, but it doesn't make sense. You could do it this way or this way or why don't we try it this way? Um, So, you know, my thinking and the way I did things was always very different. So I was just I was just speaking with my husband one day and I said, look, I'd really love to open a dance studio. It's what I've always wanted to do. So he said, uh, well, why don't you? So it, I didn't even put that much thought into it. I guess being young, you know, it's a bit mm-hmm. gung-ho. You don't think things through properly. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the way I'd start a business these days. But back then I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I just did it, you know. Right. Uh, so that was my first my first business, which was a dance studio. And then, um, you know, I ran that for, for a year while I was still working my corporate job and I noticed that there was a problem with my parents were coming back to me and saying they were, they were really struggling to, to purchase the uniforms or the dance shoes for their children because there wasn't really anywhere in the area that was open, you know, at times that suited them and they had to take a big drive into the city to go and, and get things. So I just started asking other dance teachers if their students also had the same problems and when we opened our shop, it was just about solving the problem for my students. So that's how it came about. Um, And I ended up doing that for 18 years. So that's how we started. It it was, I guess, the first first problem that I solved was I wanted to get out of a corporate job and do my own thing. And the second problem was just solving a problem of my current clients and running with that. Yeah, I was actually, I'm a paper and pen guy, and I literally just wrote that down to bring up later. Solving problem for buyers slash students. I love that because you're like, you know, it was just a side thing. My students slash buyers were having a problem, and I solved it for them. And, hey, I ended up doing that for 18 years and making a million dollars. What do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that because it's really important, especially for the people listening. I know a lot of people that get confused. They're like, oh, I got, you know, 5,000 friends on Facebook. I've got, you know, there's a huge difference between serving an audience and serving buyers. And a buyer is a buyer is a buyer um, in the sense of your buyer of your stuff. We might get into this later. But if they, they spend money on what you do, they'll either give that money to you or to someone else. And you really need to take like really, really good care of those people. And like what you did, listen, because they might tell you something else that you can do for them that could turn into a million dollar business. And it's just an extension of what you already have going on. So I love that. That's really huge. It's really powerful. And it's just, honestly, it's so simple. Um, You just, you're like, I had people that paid me money for stuff and I fixed the problem for them and I just did it really well. And I focused on that and did that for 18 years. I mean, I just, I love that because it's just very, pragmatic and realistic and it obviously produces results so um now i want to listening to i just want to clarify what that you know what you said then though it's also about listening to the to the right people sometimes we can get caught up listening to people but it's not necessarily the right people i.e the people that we can help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i just as a side note i think that's really important yeah, and no, it's funny because you're, you're going to bring up your perfect segue into what I wanted to ask about because it's I've been hearing about this more and more and more. And to be honest, um, you know, for our podcast listeners and that, I do have a, a monthly program for some of the people that want to be part of the 200 that are going to break through the seven-figure ceiling. But um, in the research for that, I've been looking at a lot of other programs that are available out there and talking with a lot of friends. And I wanted to ask about your thoughts on education because you were in school and you 
like kind of, you know, this isn't really for me. This isn't what's mm. going to get me to my goals. And you walked away from it. And I know I've been looking at some stuff, um, you know, that I think I'm an expert in that I could educate people on. And I'm seeing like university courses that are like $30,000 for a single year. The people teaching it have no track record, no credentials, but they're, you know, they're big in academia. And mm. I'm just, you know, when you look at the curriculum of the course and I'm like, there's like, what about doing? When did, when did doing ever become a bad education? Um, mm. And I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. Like, what are your thoughts? Because you have children and you've raised them. And then what do you, how do you approach that? What's your thought on that? Do you still put your kids into formal school and think that that's it? Or like, I'm going to shut up because I don't want to answer the question for you. But yeah, no, I find, yeah, it's a super interesting question. And it's, um, oh, it's actually one of my greatest passions because I, um, I help out a charity that teaches entrepreneurship to children. So I'm very much into education. However, I believe that the, edu- the current traditional education system, mm. I don't believe is serving our children. Mm. I, um, I totally believe in education. I, ever since I left school, I haven't stopped learning. Mm-hmm. It's just that I haven't done traditional learning. I think it's hilarious and also slash sad and scary that you can go to university and study entrepreneurship. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. That yeah. just, to me, that just does not make sense. No, you know? that's such an oxymoron. It totally is an oxymoron. So um, I did struggle with putting my children through traditional school. My uh, my children's father is a traditionalist and, and also believes in getting good grades and going to university. So we did butt heads over that a lot. Um, so the children did go to traditional school and then we had to have a big discussion with them, you know, what is it that you want to do? Because for some careers, you do need to go to university. Mm-hmm. And I probably believe that maybe only 3% of the population, and that's just a number I've pulled out of the air myself, mm-hmm. is probably suited to being in business. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the other 97% aren't actually suited to being in business. You need to have a certain mindset and, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's all sorts of things that, that have to come into play. Um, and my two oldest children are both in traditional jobs Uh, And I had to listen to them when they came to me and said, but, Mum, we don't don't want to do what you did. We don't want to work as hard as what you did. We Mm -hmm. don't – we want to be in a job where someone pats us on the back and says, wow, you've done a great job, you know. No one did that for you. You were the one doing that for your staff. Mm -hmm. We don't want to live that world. Mm -hmm. So for them, traditional worked. For me, not so much. And I would suggest that for any business owner that probably – or entrepreneur, the the place that you need to do your learning – is from someone who has done it before you, not necessarily someone um, at a university or a school. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, who's who's achieved what I'm trying to achieve or who's six months ahead of me? They're the people that I want to learn from. Mm-hmm. So very different way of thinking, but totally all for education. Yep. Yeah, Just I'm, making I'm, sure that the education fits your the the outcome that you're trying to achieve. I think that's a great uh, that's a great way to say it because you're right. There's a lot of jobs that you do need a traditional education for to get properly certified and to learn the, the to learn how to do the job. But then there are a lot of others that you you know, like you said, it might not be serving them well. And it's funny because I myself, I mean, I finished high school, but I never went to college or university. And the town I grew up in uh, is Kingston, Ontario, in Canada, which has Queen's University, which is one of the most prestigious school. 
uh, universities in Canada, and I believe it's in the top five in North America. Correct? Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen it on a few top lists, and I know at least in Canada it's one of the top three schools. And I, because I didn't go to the university, there was sort of a pressure, like a sense of like, am I falling behind? Because I had a lot of friends that went ahead, and obviously growing up mm. in the city, you meet a lot of people who you know are, have uh, derive a large amount of pride from their accomplishments and accolades in academia. So like mm. you, even though I wasn't so much of a student, I've always been very, very studious. And I wonder for at least some of the listeners, at least it might resonate for them, if they've, you know, felt like they didn't, uh, traditional education didn't serve them. I want to, I want to reassure you that you can still make a lot of money and have a lot of security in your life and help a lot of people without having to get a university degree. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's just a bit of a side note. I mean, a great place to start obviously is reading books like yours, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Totally like mine. That's right. The heart of entrepreneurship. I mean, that, that wasn't a planned plug, but heck, might as well, since we got you Let's here. Let's take so. it. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, well, it's a, it's a funny, it's purely serendipitous just to have this theme, but I think it's just, it's just been on my mind a lot, especially I have a, a cousin of mine. She's been getting in trouble a lot lately. She's 15 years old. She's, you know, she ran away for a week and she's been skipping classes and, you know, she's got two older siblings. Um, and so I think she's got a lot of free roam and I know she's very, very smart. She's a really good kid, really good kid. So I'm, it's also just been on my mind because I think that might be part of the problem. I think the education system just might not be serving her and she Mm. would be better suited for a path that's more authentic to her where she can, you know, try a few different things, see what she likes and doesn't like, find some mentors, read a ton of books on a certain topic and just really dive deep and pursue that. So that's really been on my mind, but forgive me. I, I want to get back to kind of the topic and I guess your book is called the heart of entrepreneurship. So, um, how, like, first of all, why that title and how, what inspired you to even write this book? So the title, when I actually wrote the book, it had a different title. Um, and it was really funny. It actually, um, I wrote it on a writer's retreat. So I was there with two other, two other authors and my publisher and we, you know, I'd handed in my manuscript the day before and I'd just done the the brief for the designer Mm -hmm. and I was sitting inside and, and, you know, we're just having smoothies and we were sitting next to the beach and, you know, I was chatting with, um, one of the other authors and I just said, it's just not feeling right. I have the titles not encapsulating exactly what it's all about. And we started, um, getting, you know, quite animated and passionate in this discussion about, you know, what it is that my book was bringing. And it was, it was actually someone else that came up with the title. And the second he said it, there was two other people sitting on the balcony and their heads just flipped around mid sentence and just went, did you just say the heart of entrepreneurship? And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> and you know, as any entrepreneur does, you know, one of us is on, on mm-hmm. Google checking that no one else has done it. Someone's on Amazon. Someone's checking the, the URLs available. And within five minutes, we're just like, yep, yeah, let's do that. And uh, so that's how it was named. It was actually someone else. And, and, and when he said it, I was just like, oh my God, that's it. That's exactly what my book's about. Um, because for me, the heart of entrepreneurship has, has, two meanings so one of it is being it's it's um the heart of your business you know it's the heart of everything that from where everything stems but it's also the the second meaning is it's coming from your heart it's what you're passionate about it's what your legacy is it's what you're giving to the world so you know i just love that because that's what i'm all about Hmm, that's so awesome. And that's such a great topic. And I love, I love helping entrepreneurs and business owners because 
I had a, I've had a couple of different businesses that I've had varying degrees of success in, some really big wins, some so-so wins, uh, of course, a couple of failures. But one thing I noticed especially and why I love helping entrepreneurs and business owners so much is because, you know, in, in my businesses that I've been a part of, you know, maybe you have a, a few hundred to a few thousand customers as your customer base. And you really are helping those people. Testimonials are real. And I love testimonials. I love success stories. I love hearing that from people. But when you tap in and you like with your book, The Heart of Entrepreneurship, and you help entrepreneurs, if you help 10 entrepreneurs, if you help 20 entrepreneurs, and they each have a few hundred customers or a few thousand customers, now you're having an exponential impact on the world. So I think it's a really powerful mission, and I think it's a really good cause. I think that we need to support entrepreneurs because they're very much a misunderstood breed of individuals, and it's not such a clear-cut path like, Mm. you know, like traditional education makes it sound like, right, for Mm. Some of the jobs. So mm. I think a book like yours definitely has a lot of value just to help people figure things out more. There's a lot of personal development and personal research. Um, there's a great book called uh, Market Leaders, is it? I want to, I'm going to have to put a link after this to make sure. But it talked about that there's three ways that any business can dominate any market. And one is either with the best product, the other one is with the best marketing and customized marketing like the done for you or not done for you but the for you solution people Mm -hmm. hear the marketing they're like wow that's me you know i'm a left-handed left one-legged blonde lady who's you know i don't know a fan of tennis um Mm. or it's just operations like walmart where their operational systems are so uh efficient they can survive on margins that other businesses can't even fathom and so Mm. they just completely obliterate the competition so i mean there's not just one path there's got to be people have to find their own route and so books like yours are a huge benefit and a huge asset to people so what are some of the discoveries and some of the things you discuss in the book so this book is based on um what i've learned over the last 20 something years in business that just Mm. shows my age but um you know it's it's been a huge journey, you know, but the entrepreneur, you know, I talk about the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Um, mm-hmm. My um, <laughs> my partner actually, who, who is working in corporate, so kind of doesn't understand my world that much, sort of says, you know, I don't feel like I'm on a roller coaster with you, babe. He's like, I feel like we're sitting at the top of like a really steep hill in a go-kart and you're just like pulling the brake off. We're just going down at breakneck speed, you know. That's what our life can be like, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I can so, relate to that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> totally. So, you know, I, I wrote this book for entrepreneurs, exactly like what you were saying. Entrepreneurs are very passionate and they're, they're coming from a place of heart and they want to help people. So, you know, it can be a very lonely world. And I want people to understand that if we all came together, the ripples that we could create together would be so much bigger. Mm. Um, you know, stop, stop being so lonely and, you know, People call my, I work from home and people will say, oh, you know, you haven't been out of your cave in a week. And sometimes I don't. I get totally focused on what I'm doing and I, I work in my cave. Mm-hmm. But lots of us do that. Yes. Um, so it's about, okay, let's all, you know, come out of our caves, join together and, and help each other um, and um, create a bigger difference because the ripple effects from that will be huge. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was listening to... Um, John Lee Dumas actually the other day, and he, he was saying a lot of people give up because they might say, "Oh, you know, I've only got fifty listeners in my on my podcast, and you know, you know, blah blah blah." And he's like, "But now imagine that those fifty people are standing in front of you, like 
and you can actually visualise those 50 people that you're helping and those 50 people have each got 50 people and now all of a sudden, how does that change your thinking? Yeah. Um, and I found that very, very powerful because, you know, it's very easy to get caught up into, oh, I've only got this many in my database or I only got this many downloads or I only had this many click-through rates or, or whatever else. But, you know... If, if the numbers are there, picture those people as real people standing in front of you um, and see how that changes your thoughts. Yeah, and I yep. think another thing, I mean, you were paying attention when the numbers were small. You know, you ran your dance studio, and I'm sure mm. that you didn't just overnight have a couple thousand members. No. You were listening I, to them, and you were, that's right. you were catering to them when the numbers were small, and that allowed you to tap into something that you could do for all of them at once. And it was a really important problem. And that was something that scaled and carried on for 18 years. Mm. So I think that you're right. That perspective is a huge, huge, huge part of it. And I think, you know, just to try to even give the example, I, I, I love this analogy because when I first heard it, it made a lot of sense to me because I'm a fairly athletic guy, right? I like, I love CrossFit. I've always been since I was about 18, I've always been active, very active in martial arts and whatever, but but it's the whole concept of like if I snap my fingers and gave myself Arnold Schwarzenegger's body in his prime at his peak physique, how long could I maintain that? with my current day-to-day routine, my current habits, my current diet. And that's where people get it twisted. And one of my, my mentors, Jim Rohn, uh, God bless his soul, he, you know, he had this thing saying that success isn't something you pursue. It's like a butterfly. When you chase it, it just gets away from you. Success is something you attract by who you become. And so I think what you just said there, I think that's like when people win a million dollars. In fact, I actually met a high school friend. Her Another girl we went to high school with won $50 million two, three years ago and just basically disappeared appeared off the face of the planet and i was like well that's probably for privacy reasons and it also like to be honest i don't want to be like a crab in a bucket but i don't know i'd like we'll see how long that 50 million can last because Mm. obviously it's a lot of money but as you know um and i know that money can come and money can go really quickly 50 million is a lot of money (laughs) but it goes really quickly like really quickly you buy a couple cars a couple houses family taxes unexpected you know expenditures a couple trips and suddenly you're like hey where you know yeah where where where'd that money go i I spent three hundred thousand dollars in five months like what like like it just it just so and it's the whole concept that yeah totally when um it's something that um i've talked about a lot um when we first opened the shop, our numbers were very small. You know, you can't just open a store and have, you know, Walmart numbers coming in the door on day one. You know, it, like, it would, and, and in actual fact, thank goodness, right. because what we learned was when you open a business, you're going to make mistakes. It is 100% going to happen. You will make mistakes. <laughs> And boy, oh, I would rather make the mistakes with little numbers yes. than with bigger numbers. Yes. So that's something that, that um, you know, lots of things that we, we tried yeah. and trialed when we very first opened our stores and when we very first opened the dance studio. I'm glad that we pushed and, and really and tried a lot of things very early because the numbers that we were playing with were so much smaller 
um, and it gave us so many learnings so that when we did scale and get bigger, we already knew that those things wouldn't happen so the mistakes weren't going to be as big. Mm. So it's really important that you still, you know, you have those early days and you learn and, and make those mistakes because they're going to potentially mean that you lose less money down the track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so well said, so well said. And then you get to refine yourself because I th- one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur and a business owner is that it puts a higher level, it sets higher expectations on yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of people can't even manage. We talked about it again when someone wins 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 millions of dollars. Um, But a lot of people, like if you're an employee, a lot of people just have to manage their own personal finances, let alone have (laughs) to manage the business finances and their personal finances and help with their staff because, right, there's tax deductions at the end of the year and there's, you know, health plans and yada, yada, yada. I mean, you really have to be on top of your stuff. And even outside that, just even your interpersonal skills, right? You have to have mm-hmm. a team, you have to deal with customers. So there's like a higher level of expectation on yourself. I feel like personal development and entrepreneurship go hand in hand and that business is very Shakespearean where people's businesses fall victim to the owner's biggest flaws, you know, where mm-hmm. either they're the bottleneck and they won't give up all the control or they're pompous and, you know, and they won't ex- give people recognition and a chance to, you know, grow and just all those things. So what, what can you speak to that? Do you agree? I mean, in 20 years of, for yourself, maybe let's not talk about what we think think about others, but for yourself, what were your biggest challenges in your career? Yeah, I totally agree that being a business is your greatest personal personal growth journey that you can go on, period. Mm. It is, you know, you learn so much about yourself and exactly what you were saying, you, you not only learn how to, um, you know, con- control yourself, but you have to learn about psychology and how to get other people to do what you need them to do. You need to learn about psychology of your customers. How do I get my team to, to see my vision? You know, there's so many things. Um, but, you know, I have been doing this for a long time and I have had multiple businesses. So um, the, ch- the challenges along the way have been a little bit different. Probably oh, the very one of my greatest challenges sort of back in the early days was um, because we were working the two businesses, I was working crazy, crazy hours. You know, I had two little children and I was working from eight in the morning and walking in at nine or 10 at night. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that all the time, like, you know, mm-hmm. six days a week. And sometimes on Sundays I would be in the studio and doing extra classes. So I was, you know, seven years in and I thought, oh my goodness, if I like, I felt so burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that greatest challenge for me then was understanding that I had to let go of that control that, yeah, we all think that we can do it the best. And in an actual fact, I was the one that had the vision, but so learning how to hand over that control, even when I didn't think that people could do it as well as I could, but then understanding that they would bring different things into the business. And it took me a little while to understand that, that, okay, they might do it a little bit differently, but maybe my way wasn't so good. Maybe they're bringing a different level of something, you know, into into what's happening. But that then I could step back and get my space back so that I could continue to move forward. Otherwise, I would have been totally, totally burnt out and doing nothing. Um, you know, and, and at that time, one of the, one of the mentalities of my of my business partner at that time was that, and it's what I call a scarcity mindset is that you save money by doing everything yourself where what I have learned from being that is that an abundance mindset goes, you know what, there's other people that can do that way better than me, that they're in their genius. I can hand over. I would rather pay money for someone else to do it 
better than I can so I can go and do what is my genius, what I'm really good at, um, and building that team and, and understanding that, you know, and, and I hear it a lot from startups, and you probably would as well, Daryl, oh, but I can't afford it. And, and, my, and I say, well, if you really believe in yourself, then you need to afford it. You, you need to back yourself and you need to invest in other people to help you grow your business because it can't be done on your own. Yeah. So that, that was probably one of the, you know, it took me a long time to learn that lesson, but it was a very big and powerful lesson to learn that mm. you, you, you can't have seven figures on your own. It, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that was for me, that's, it's funny you mentioned that because that was the exact same lesson that I had to learn when I first did my, uh, not my personal million dollars in income, but working with a client, we did, you know, three and a half million dollars in eight months, but 1.6 with a particular campaign that I built from scratch. And if I had tried to do it all on my own, I wouldn't have gotten all the parts together. Um, so I definitely, definitely agree with you. You know, a mentor of mine, I I set a goal a while back that I was going to meet 10 millionaires because, you know, you were the average of the five people who spend the most time with. So I set a goal that I was going to meet 10 millionaires in a year. And I did. And the first one was purely by chance. And one of the things they said to me that really stuck with me, he said, Daryl, everyone's going to be a beta version of you. Everyone's going to be a beta version of how you think it should be done, but you need to manage based on results. Don't micromanage how they do it. Just manage by results and make sure that you're tracking the metrics that really matter. So I think that that's a really important one. Um, just to, just to reinforce what you said, you know, because there's only so many hours in a day and you can't do it all on your own. And, yeah. you know, and it's important to do what you love, but don't be a slave. And I mean, it's, I've, I'm, you talk about startups, there's a CrossFit gym that I train at. I love it. They've got, they really get the aspect of taking care of the community and really paying attention to the members, um, but they don't delegate at all. They've got a bunch of interns doing uh, assistant coaching, but I remember I see them, like the owners, cleaning up the gym, and I'm like, guys, why why are you cleaning the mats? Like, why, like, why are you the ones wiping down the equipment? You've got six interns literally sitting in the office playing on their phones waiting for you guys to finish cleaning. So they, you know, but they were like, no, 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 no. Like, they had guilt around delegating and I, you know, wow. you, can't, you can't push anything on them. So I'm just, I'm like waiting. Right. And then just, we, you know, we just had the Christmas holidays and they were, I could see they were like, yeah, we're so ready to take a break. Right. And I could just see that they're like, they're going to learn. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I already told them they didn't want to listen, you know, but it's going to come yeah. around eventually. And uh, so I agree full, full force that that's a really, really powerful and important lesson that you have to build a team. If anyone listening to this call is trying to do everything on their own, you need a team. And first, I'm going to recommend the first thing you need to do is get an assistant, get a personal assistant, a virtual assistant, someone that you can delegate to, to have prep stuff, do the little nitty gritty stuff, to get things ready before you sign off, to start the e-letters and emails, and you can just come in and edit them and send them. Whatever efficiencies you need to make your day go faster, you really need to get that going. I think that's a really, really, really powerful tidbit because leverage, the only way you're going to get any leverage is figuring out how to accomplish goals through other people. And for the rest of us listening to this, we should probably take another look at our teams and say, um, first of all, do we need everyone that's on our team? Are we missing people from our team? Do we need to add people to our team? Are we monitoring our team by, by the right objectives? And are we pushing them towards the right goals? Are we micromanaging them on day-to-day right activities? Or are we doing mm-hmm. results-based management instead, which is really at the name of the game? Um, so just a little tidbit since we're on it, because I think that's a really good point that you brought up. And it's, you know, and it's easy to just be like, oh, yeah, that's great, and move on. But 
no, that's the point I think we need to drill home because that on its own, I mean, honestly, Smith, in this call, we've already given people the keys to building a million dollar business, you know, sell something people want, focuses on solving your buyer's problems, do it better than anyone else and (laughs) build a team around you so you don't kill yourself. And, you know, even what you said, the other part I love that you said is that if you think you can't afford it, then maybe you can't financially afford it. But money is just one form of currency. Like that's the Mm -hmm. other part. It frustrates me because I've lived my life like a millionaire my whole life. I mean, I, when I was 17, I wanted to travel and see Canada and I couldn't afford it. So I hitchhiked and I still got it done, but it doesn't mean like, I was like, Oh, I can't afford it. I don't have money for a car for a ticket. No, I still went and got it done. Like just get it done. There's more available than just money. That's you either have the knowledge, you either have the knowledge, time, or money. Okay, often people don't have all three. They might have the time and the knowledge, but no money. Find a partner who has the money. You might have the money and the knowledge, but no time. Find someone who has the time. Bring them on as a, as an apprentice or something. Like you can always beg, you know, beg, borrow, barter, give equity in the business. You know, like give up five percent of your company. You know, yep. just to get some. Like do something. Just stop giving excuses. Just find a yep. way to make it work. So, all right. That the power of the power of connections and the power of connecting with people and knowing what your outcomes are and talking to people about them is huge. Yeah. So because people it, maybe you can't come up with a solution of how it can happen, but mm-hmm. someone else may be able to. So if you know what you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, speak with people around you um, and and think outside the box and and mastermind together and and come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what you said is right. Nine times out of ten, it's not money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So, what was another challenge? I love this because you kind of gave some, you know, some insights to this. So, you started something, you found something you're passionate about, launched a dance school, helped your buyers, came up with some products. All of a sudden, that started to scale. Then you were killing yourself, working too many hours. You realized you need to build a team. Were there any yep. other key milestones and challenges that you had to come through? Yeah, it was actually years and years later. Um, so this is back in um, – this sort of started in 2010. I actually separated from my husband and we got divorced. Mm-hmm. And those businesses I, I sold to him. So it was I was back in no man's land. I was back in startup zone. Um, the greatest challenge with that was, you know, I'd been married since I was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been in dance for my whole life. It was something that I knew really well. Um and I was pulled out of that world and I was very alone and it was the first time in my life I was ever alone because I had been so young when I got married. Mm. Um, and, and being divorced after being married for 20 years was just the greatest confidence, like, rock, like just my whole world fell apart. Really? whole world fell apart. Mm. You know, I, I just thought, oh, my goodness, I can't do this on my own. I'm not good enough. And like all the other personal things that come in because you've just had, you know, everything just taken out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. So the greatest challenge there was actually not knowing my purpose. Um, and it's something that you know, I'd always known, What you know, what is your purpose? What gets you out of bed in, in, in the morning? But all of a sudden I was at 40 years old going, okay, logically I know that this is the key. I know that I'm really struggling because I don't know what my purpose is. But I spent the next couple of years like beating myself up because I couldn't come up with the answer. And the more I struggled and pushed, like what is my purpose? And the more I thought, oh, my goodness, Sam, how stupid are you? Why can't you come up with the answer? You know this is the key. It just sent me into a a spiral that went down and down Mm -hmm. and down. 
where I got into this funk where I just could not figure out my purpose. Um, and that was actually even that I would say that would be the number one greatest challenge I've ever had in business Mm -hmm. was not knowing my purpose. So very different to scaling and, you know, leverage and all of that stuff that we talk about, Mm -hmm. not purpose completely just had me off kilter and really, really struggled, not just in business, but totally in life. um, Because I didn't know what I was doing. And that all was turned around. I was in a mastermind one day and, and, you know, we were having this conversation and, you know, very down on myself. What is wrong with me? I'm finding it hard to get out of bed in the morning. I'm really, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just feel like I'm not doing things as well as I could, not really serving enough. Um, And she said, well, you know, what's your legacy? Just, she said, imagine that you were at your own funeral and you're a fly on the wall, what would you like the other people to be saying about you? What did you achieve in your life? What were you really here for? And that's the day that the flick, the switch flicked for me because straight away I knew what my legacy had to be and from there I, I you know, reverse engineered it, well, this is what my purpose is, and from there it was just like bang, out of bed, jumping out of bed in the morning again. I understood what I needed to do mm-hmm. to get to my end goal so, you know, we talk about purpose and legacy and some people think it's just a, a woo-woo thing, but it is the absolute core of everything that you do. When you know what that is, then, you know, you know exactly how to execute that. Mm-hmm. Um, think, um, my favourite quote um, I heard from Gary Vaynerchuk, he said that legacy is greater than currency and that really, really sings to me mm-hmm. that it's not about the money. What are you really, really here to do? Because when you're doing that and you're on purpose, then the money will come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love that. That's a great quote. And that's something that came up in, uh, I did a second interview with Ryan Levesque, um, and you know he's been doing phenomenal. I mean, the guy, amazing guy. He's 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 not only brilliant and a great guy, um, but he's just really in his stride right now. So even financially, mm. we, we were talking about that because you know for both of us, uh, obviously I'm not I'm not at the level he's doing right now because he's just he's really taken off. But mm. I've obviously had a lot of success in my past and even recently. And you know we talked about how at some point you know like it it really is true. I mean, there's a bit of a catch twenty two. Oprah said, "Whoever told you owning." Your own private jet won't make you happy. Happier is lying to you, and I agree. Like that's funny, but I mm. think it's true. But at the same point, there's been a lot of studies, and money cannot buy happiness. Money buys mm. happiness to a point. Mm-hmm. Once you hit that point, you can afford everything you kind of want. You mm. can afford to go on the vacation if you want a, a boat. You can afford some sort of boat to go out in the water with. If you're, you know, if you like to have a cottage, like you can afford those things. Everyone's like, oh, it'd be so nice. Okay, great. Snap your fingers, boom, you have them. Now, to, to just mm. preface this with, or Prince, what I said before, you might not even need the money to get those things. That's the other reason why money itself is not like it's okay to be money motivated. But a lot of those people that are money motivated, I'm very money motivated, and I know it comes from uh, loss and fears from things that have happened in my past that have driven me to think that money is going to prevent those from happening again. And that's where a lot of people come from. Um, or again, if that's if you're money driven. But I think the real key there is that, like you said, legacy, having a lasting purpose, your, have your name live on forever. Steve Jobs. No one's going to forget his name. Bill Gates. No one's mm. going to forget that name. Elon Musk. Mm. No one's going to forget those names, right? Benjamin Franklin. You know, 
there's a lot more to, and forgive me, I'm not mentioning any of the females who have obviously had major legacies in the world, but it's the concept that it's not just about money. It's about having some sort of goal that means something beyond just, you know, collecting dollars for, for, for some sort of service or product. Because the reality is, is that if you're not a purpose driven individual, actually I did an interview with Yannick Silver and his whole book, he just did a book launch. He's really re like reorganizing all of his business coaching and programs to be behind purpose driven uh, businesses because that's the way the future, especially with how transparent the internet makes things. You can't just be out there trying to scam people and sell them snake oil. You have to have a mission and a purpose. You have to have a reason because if the economy goes south and you're not attached to something that has like staying power through generations, you're not going to make it. You're just going to be the me too business that gets cut off like fat, you know, when the, when the economy gets lean. So I think that's really important. And you're right. A lot of people say it's woo woo and it's hard and it makes people think and it makes their head hurt. And they're like, I don't know. And it takes time. You said for you, it took years. Um, but it's work that pays off because I think when you find it, you'll never forget it and you'll never have a problem getting up. Yeah, but there is a balance because you brought up a really valid point there, Daryl, which I didn't touch on, is that it can't, it does have to be some money, monetary goals there as well because, you know, um, just to pick a, a niche out that seems to to always to to often have problems is you know that spiritual that very you know mm-hmm. sort of um, you know yoga you know that kind of health sort of side mm-hmm. and a lot of there's many people in that in that niche that um, think it's almost evil to earn money you know yeah, like, they have I am only doing feelings food around that. Yeah. It's all around you know pixies and rainbows and unicorns but if they can't pay their bills at the end of the day like I'm sorry but like that's not doing any good for anyone you know yeah. Yeah. um so th- th- there's got to be a really good mix there it's got to be in balance um yeah and balance is what it's all about and that's why again to bring back kind of what came up when i was speaking with yannick about um just the transparency of the internet you know of course there are bad apples of course there are snake oil salesmen Mm -hmm. you know there are people out there that are scamming Mm -hmm. people we can't get rid of them but the Mm -hmm. vast majority of businesses have to solve a problem for people and you get paid in relation to the size of the problem you solve so if i'm just Mm -hmm. trying to get across town and i have all day to do it i can buy a bike for a hundred bucks and pedal my butt there if I want. Or if mm. I have to get there sooner and I don't want to be all sweaty, I can pay a couple of dollars and get on a shared trans, right, public transportation and share mm-hmm. the expense with a bunch of other people. I want to get there faster, well, I can hire a cab, which will cost more, but I'll get there faster. But I want the luxury of being able to go, come and go as I please and to have my own music and to be able to carry a bunch of stuff with me. Well, now you can buy a car. That's a bigger size problem. It's the same thing, right? Versus if you're sitting at the, at the desk of a convenience store and all you're doing is collecting cash and making sure people aren't stealing and putting stuff on the shelf when it shows up versus the person who could save your child's life. Your child is dying and this man or woman can save their life. How much is that worth? So when these people have, like, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've hit it a a bunch of times very recently. And it's a frustrating thing because money is not evil. It's like people want to project onto you their their bad feelings about, about it because they have, you know, they don't have it and they don't have a plan to get it and so they just want to make it evil and bad and make excuses for themselves and i think that Mm. for the vast majority of people i mean bill gates gave us all computers you know he's one of the richest men in the world i mean that's Mm. that like elon musk again same thing i mean he's tesla he's bringing you know electric cars even before that paypal even before that he was doing like you just you you 
You're right, and I don't know where people get it, and I don't know why people think it's evil. Because money is just an object; it's not it's not anything. It's it's potential. It's stored yes. potential. Absolutely, um, and and those those people that we're talking about, the ones that say that money is evil, evil, I suggest probably the best. Let's go with the best business advice I could give right now. Get away from those people really, really, really fast, and get them out of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, very damaging to be to be having and hearing those messages all the time, mm-hmm. um, and to be having that sort of come into your into your you know way of thinking and tr- and then try and be making money. You, you'll self sabotage yourself, and yeah. um, all sorts of things will happen. So be very, very aware of the people that are in your world, what their beliefs are, yeah. you know, what they're saying, how they're acting out, and make sure that you're spending your time with the people that are, you know, exactly where you want to go or have the same values or the same ideas as you. That's right. And if you're one of those people that feels like you can't, this came up just yesterday, what if you live with these people? What if you live in a city (laughs) or a small town in a community? Well, that's where you can do things like, yes, you should spend your evening reading Samantha's book. Yes, you should be investing (laughs) in a lot of books and a lot of courses and your education because you could spend all night sitting there on your own and you won't think of this stuff yourself. You know, like, so why not spend the money and pay the, make the investment i mean before we had the internet you know the only place to get an educate like the only place you people got answers was from their own personal knowledge and experiences if they, had, they didn't have the solution there they would turn to their family and friends and people that they could reach directly to ask them and tap into their knowledge from their formal training and experiences and if they didn't have the answer then you'd have to go to the library and you'd have to go find an area you know the library that had that category of books you'd have to go all the way through the aisle and find the books that you thought might have the answer for you and take them off the shelf, you know, five or 12 at a time, and then go sit down and flip through them and circle the parts that were important to you and write down your notes so you get the answers that you were looking for. But right now, you can easily just log online, go to Amazon, couple of clicks, you have a book being sent to you that's literally 20 years of research put into a few pages. I mean, one of the best investments is always someone's book because they put their heart and soul into it because it's their first introduction to you. And this is partially a pitch for Samantha's book, but it's also a pitch for all the other books that we mentioned on these show and all of you that are sitting there listening like the book you don't own you can't read and the book you don't read can't help you and if you listen to the show you've heard me say time and time again you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with um, and that's not me that said that that's Jim Rome, but it's true and just like yeah. you can catch colds from people you can catch attitudes and opinions and ideas and it's not that they're going to be so offensive that they pushed upon you it's just little nudges it's let's say what Samantha said why it's dangerous they're going to say things and you're not going to walk and want to rock the boat and you're going to accept it and say nothing you know because you don't want to insult them or offend them or you know rock the boat and then but now you're slowly kind of accepting that and it's like you know and it's just just like a cold you're kind of catching that and it's not that they're bad people it's just it's the whole it's like the whole like scale of enlightenment thing it's just that they've, you know one of my mentors i'm going to swear but he used to say you know i'm daryl one of my jobs is your head's been filled with bullshit and then there's a layer of concrete and then more bullshit and then over time there's more concrete and more bullshit and more concrete and it's my job to drill through the concrete and break it up and then start helping you shovel the bullshit out and i think that this is a great example where people say that earning money is evil i think if you provide a good product and a good service and you really help people you should have no guilt about getting paid for doing that for people um yeah capitalism's proved itself absolute capitalism definitely has evils but a balance between capitalism with a little bit of social care and social services and social entrepreneurship has proven i mean canada is a great example 
Um, we have we walk the middle line between capitalism and socialism, and I think we've got a great economy. I mean, we were one of the top five or ten economies in the world to survive the last recession, and um, I just think that there's a lot to be said to that. Anyways, I'm totally on yeah. the rant. But- <laughs> But Samantha, I just want to say, like, what habits do you feel have helped you? Just because so many years you've been working and building these successful businesses, what are the habits that you feel have really helped you be successful through the challenges, through the ups and downs? What do you think have really helped you become the best of who you are? Oh, um, I think uh, number one, it's it's uh, knowing who who you're surrounded with. So um, I talk about this a lot. So there's three layers of this. One. Um, is having a mentor. I very, I really, really believe in the power of mentors. Mm-hmm. I've had one for the last um, 10 years and I've had them on and off before that. Um, not only because you can tap into their mind and, and, you know, like you said, they get into the bullshit in your head because mm-hmm. we all tell ourselves these bullshit stories continually and, and it's nice to be called, like, it's not just about having the education to to know what to do next. It's also being accountable to someone where they're going, ah, oh, exactly why are you not launching that product or exactly why are you not doing what you said you would do? Um, so mentors, very, very powerful. Out of those mentors, you normally um, are, um, act, you have access to some sort of community. Um, and this is really important because these are people that are usually got goals similar to yours. They're on a journey similar to yours. This is where um, I find or have found what I call my inner circle. So this is my four or five closest, closest friends mm-hmm. who I am able to ring at any time of the morning or the night, which is usually when I'm having problems at some ridiculous time at the night because I can't sleep or same thing very early in the morning because I can't sleep. You know, they're the people that I call on and and they know my personal problems because the whole world doesn't need to know if I'm having a relationship breakup, but mm-hmm. someone needs to help me through that, you know, mm-hmm. because that will affect my business. So, you know, having a mentor, having that inner circle, and then having your supporters. So your supporters are the people in the greater community that um, are there to to also that are on that journey, and they're there to help you, but more in the, in the sort of the business transactions or helping you to connect with other people. They don't necessarily need to know as much as your inner circle, but they still know a lot about you and your business. So I think that's really important. That's the power of connection and the power of people. Um, as for personal sort of goals, you know, I'm like you. I think it's really important to be healthy because, you know, when you've got a healthy body, you've got a healthy mind. So, um, you know, going to the gym, making sure that I drink enough water, all of those kind of things that um, sometimes drop off and I realise, you know, then I'll get into like, oh, I'm not doing so well today. You know, let's just drop everything and go to the gym or let's meditate or, you know, let's do something for my mind and body. So that's really important. Um, And I think um, one of the greatest things I've learned is that not to just dip my toe into the water. So what I mean by that is if I'm going to commit to doing something, I do it. I don't just try it because that's when it doesn't work. You know, I'll just, I'll just give it a go, whether it's, you know, I'll just try this business on the side while I'm still making an income in my job or I'll just try this on a small scale and see if it works. Um, you know, it, it just never does. It's, you've either got to be all in or all out. I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Mm. So, you know. Make that informed decision. Look at everything. Look at the pros and cons of whatever you're doing. But you either you've got to make that decision. Either you're in or you're out. Um, and I find that a lot of people that are that are failing or not doing so well in their business, not making enough, is because they're just trying it. But it's mm-hmm. like the universe is not 
going, okay, cool, that's what you want. It's like, oh, okay, whatever, they're just doing something. They're not really jumping all in. So mm-hmm. um, that's probably the greatest thing. Mm. Got it. So health, mentorship, accountability to someone, being surrounded by like-minded people, being committed to what you're doing, being disciplined, having fun, and being all in. Um, mm. Sounds like those were the ones that you were saying. And I fully agree because yep. you can't have – I mean, even you always said that. Try. There is no try. There is do or do not. And, you know, of yep. course, I'm quoting Star Wars. But I think it's really true. I think you have to be committed to it. And I think people don't realize how much time they waste. We had a great mm. interview with uh, James Shramko, and he was talking about that same sort of thing that a lot of people feel like they might not be getting results. But if you use any sort of time tracker on your computer, you might find that you're not getting results and you're spending half your day on social media, you know, Mm. or like all these other things. And I I really agree. I think that there's plenty of time in the day. People say they don't have enough time. There is enough time if you watch two hours of TV and if you, Mm. you you sleep a little bit extra. I mean, most of us... Most of us, if we were better, we're going to sleep on time or like I have a grandpa alarm, so it goes off and that means I have to shut everything off and start getting ready for bed. But it, most of us can survive on six, six and a half hours and be well rested and not be uh-huh. hurting ourselves in any way. And that gives you, if you're like, oh, I need eight, nine hours. No, you don't. Unless you're like 15 to 18, you don't need eight to nine hours. Mm. That's that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and there's ways you can be more effective with your time. Time management is a huge thing. So, yeah. Be very aware of when it is that you work best. So mm. most mm. days I, I start between 4 and 6 in the morning because I know that I work best in the morning. Yeah. So I'll wake up, get coffee, start at 4. People think I'm crazy. But by 4 in the afternoon, I'm ready to check out. Like I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not an afternoon person. So, you know, listen listen to your body. And, and we're entrepreneurs. We can We can do it all and have it all. So... Make it work for yourself. <laughs> that's right. We design our lives. So yeah. that's, and that's true. And it's about the journey. It's about discovering yourself. It's about discovering other people and how the world works. And it's about the story that you're it's unfolding and your own personal journey. And this kind of ties back to when we talked about it's, you know the money to a certain point, I think, in a lot of businesses. Getting to, like, me and my buddy used to call it roof and ramen. You know, getting to roof and ramen, like where you're paying your for your bills and you're, you know, you're feeding yourself. You know, just getting to survival mode. It's really important important and you need to grind you need to get all the support you can to get there and make sure that you know that you're in touch with your customers and what you're really selling and that you're not pushing something into the market and to get there as soon as possible and to give yourself a deadline that if it doesn't work you're going to move on because you know everyone talks about perseverance but you know in business sometimes you just have the wrong angle the wrong approach the wrong product the wrong market the wrong message you need to change it up and then you need to just be willing to push to get there or have a deadline that you need to get there by before you move on because once you kind of can cover your bills in that it should become about serving people and having fun and after that you know money's just a way of keeping score so um, because like again it's about the journey it's about the stories and this is something you brought up before when we talked last time that I thought was really interesting. And that was about why the wealthiest 1% will spend like an insane amount of money on things like having a dinner made and their in-flight meal between locations. It's for the story, right? It's because the story that they're buying adds to their own personal journey. Oh yeah, there was this time where I spent 100,000 to have this chef come and cook for me on my flight from Paris to London and, you know, and he told me about how the salmon were from this special area and, uh, you know, everything was smoked with this particular oak from this particular tree in this particular part of the world and you know and like you know like i think that that's that enhances their life their journey their experience and for them the money doesn't matter right it's just it's, right. it's how exclusive it is so 
Well, it's about the exactly. It's about the experience and the story because that's what we're all here to live. Mm. It is that. It's the story that we're creating in our life and our and and the way we get there and the things that we do along the way all add to that. You know, the colourful tapestry that's being woven. Mm-hmm. And how does that play in when people do their positioning? Because I know that's something you really help a lot of business owners with. Like they come to the market, they don't know how to present themselves well or, you know, they have no real idea of how they're perceived. I think that you need to go back one step before that. And this is something that I've only just realized myself just recently. Um, On a side note, when we were talking before about failures, you know, you look at people that are really successful and have a look at the failures that they've had. And it's something that probably a lot of us don't talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. The more more success we've had, let me tell you, the more mistakes and failures have happened along the way, like Mm -hmm. huge amounts. So, you know, that was just a side note there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally off track. Yeah. You're going to have to run that question behind oh, me again. Positioning, positioning, positioning and how people aren't aware. That's, that's where I was going. So one step back. Instead of thinking just who I can help, start by thinking what is it that I've experienced that I could possibly help someone else with? What story do I have within me that can help someone else? What is it that's unique and authentic about me that can help someone else that might have that problem? So instead of just thinking about the other person, start with yourself first. What is it, you know, what is it that's really important to me that I can passionately talk about for, you know, 24 days straight without taking a breath? That's usually a really good place to start. Um, then from there, figuring, you know, that's your message. So then you need to find the market that matches that message. That, and that's where your niche comes, where your market matches your message. Um, and then, you know, the extra little part about that is that that market needs to be a market that can pay. So knowing that you can help um, uh, 90-year-old Chinese ladies who do underwater knitting is generally not a really great market to go after because you might be able to help them, but they probably won't be able to pay you a real lot and there's probably not many of them. Um, So so be very mindful of it. You know, my mentor calls it, you know, find a who that can pay. So all the time I'm thinking, okay, can that who pay? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes, make sure you find a who that can pay. I hope people are taking... A lot of notes because even though I'm interviewing and I know I'm sharing some of my insights as well, I take notes ravishly. I've got two pages already so far. So, um, oh, it's all good stuff. I love I love these calls. I learn as much, and I love the feedback I get from listeners and callers, and even just when I when I post around and when we when we promote and share this interview, the things people will say. I mean, it's just all so beneficial. I, I learn from others. I learn from you. I learn by teaching. So it's all just a win 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 for everyone. But um, Um, I encourage everyone listening, again, go back, listen to this interview again, take notes if you didn't. Just the fact of taking pen to paper and writing things down will help solidify things in your memory, even if you never look at that paper again. Um, You know, they say it takes seven things to get it locked into your long-term memory. Well, if you hear it, that's one. If you hear it, think it, oh, I need to write that down. You just thought of it twice. As you write it out, you're writing it slowly. That's three times. You'll read it again to yourself. Hey, that's four times. You teach it. Now you've had it five times. Look how, right? This is how we ingrain things in our – we talked about education at the beginning. So even if you never look at it, that's why even learning how to do shorthand is beneficial because you just want to – you want to get it down, get it out. There's just something magical about putting pen to paper, so – 
Oh, totally agree. And I even, I like to do things more than seven times. Um, when I had my dance studio, even with my students, I used to, you know, the really good students, that, um, they would like to take extra classes and they would always like to take classes of the grades that were higher than them. Mm-hmm. And I would allow them to only if they took the grade that was below where they were at. Mm-hmm. Because when they've got the knowledge and, and, you know, when they can do that, got taking it back and taking it back to basics, you will take it in at, a, at an even greater depth. And um, and I believe in that now. I'll go and and I'll go to the same conference, you know, five or six times just to hear the same thing over and over and over again. Because um, I think there's a, a set that we're only conscious for two percent of our day. So when you're listening to someone speak, how much are you missing if you're only taking in two percent? You know, how many times do I need to hear it? Mm. You know, to, to get all of those learnings. So I'm I'm a big. I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, so well said, Samantha. You've dropped so much wisdom with us today and you've shared a lot of insight and a lot about your experience and I hope the people listening have written down the points and they, they like I said we've taken the notes and have listened to our suggestions um, what can you tell us like what's going on with your book where can people go to get it and uh, I mean is it available on Amazon or how do people it find is. you yeah, it is available on Amazon. You can also go to theheartofentrepreneurship.com um, if you'd like to pick up a hard copy. And um, if you go to theheartofentrepreneurship.com forward slash Urbanski, um, I will give the first 20 people that uh, purchase a hard copy of that book, I will send that for free. Oh, wow. Oh, sweet. So, all right. What's that? <laughs> Sorry, my ears freaked out. What? Oh, what's that again? So, okay. So, that's theheartofentrepreneurship.com slash Urbanski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I. Go on, get yourself a free copy of her book. Um, that's awesome. Thank you, Samantha. I appreciate that. Well, it's and it, all about creating the ripples, isn't it? That's well, exactly what we've talked about. You know, and it really is true, and it's about paying it forward. And I find that, the you know, and again, it comes back to feeling guilty about making money. You know, I have no guilt about getting paid for helping others because the testimonials are real, and it's just a beautiful, virtuous cycle to be able to give value and then be given value back. It's like you're loved by the universe. Like, it really is. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you put out there, it's like anyone listening to this, if you can remember the first time someone actually gave you money for your business to do what you do, all of us have that time. Probably even you with your dance studio. Do you remember your first mm-hmm. student who signed up? I can. I remember her name. I can remember even her date of birth because I used to fill out her forms all the time. And we're still, you know, she's um, she's in her 30s now and she's married and has a baby and we're still friends on Facebook. And, um, yeah, and I can definitely remember everything about her. <laughs> right, right. I, me too. So, um, in fact, actually, I'm going to make a note. I'm going to send a postcard. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. So thank you so much for, for joining us today and for sharing it. I appreciate your time. I know uh, with the time zone, you know, you, you had to, um, well, I don't know, maybe you had to get up a little bit earlier than usual, but I think it was very valuable. And again, for the listeners, get what you can out of this call, look at your notes, and of course, make the list that we'll encourage you to make once you hear the outro. Um, and just Samantha, thank you again so much for joining us today. And is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Oh, do you know, we have just had the I think we've had the most beautiful conversation. Um, you know, we've spoken a couple of times now. And, um, I, I, you know, I think it's all there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. I value and appreciate your time today. And I know everyone else on the call did as well. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, 
What three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.